Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast. Frank is back in front of the mic. Uh, he's been gone on many epic journeys. Uh, and yesterday he took uh, my football coach. I had to come into work. My football coach came out from Oregon and he took him out while I was in work, uh, while I was at work. And as a super special guest, uh, somebody that's very near and dear to me, we have the great Coach Perkins on the mic today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, man. You came out from Oregon for the deer hunt, which is awesome. You guys got a big buck yesterday. Yeah, we did. He's the uh, biggest mule deer I ever killed because it's the only one I've ever killed. <laughs> well, <they're... laughs> well, that's, that's, a, a, that's a good start for uh, sure. Yeah, that solves that. Well, yeah, so for, for those of you that uh, haven't heard other podcasts where I've mentioned Coach Perkins, um, he was my high school football coach uh, at Sandy M High School. I'm back from Oregon. And uh, – for those people, uh, as I get older, you will find um, someone, whether it be good or bad, that will probably be pivotal in your life. And uh, Perkins was that guy for me. He, um, I told Frank earlier this morning, uh, without uh, how do you explain it? You could, well, you had the ability. Well, your motivational speeches were second to none, but you had the ability to make someone feel that they were capable of anything. And, uh, I mean, it, I can say for, you know, from 20 years ago until now, I can still hear things that you said back then in the back. I mean, even me just getting my ass kicked on the mountain for mule deer, there were things that stuck in my mind that you had said in the nineties that, <laughs> that never went away. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for, I mean, it was, you were very pivotal person in my life and uh i can't and it's great that you're out here mule deer hunting we've stayed in contact so i can't say that say enough about uh who you are as a person and what you did for me i appreciate that aaron uh you're right i had the same thing you know uh, growing up had a good coach come in and he did a lot for a lot of us you know and so uh i come from ohio originally and uh coaches you say pay it back but a couple good coaches back in the day said pay it forward so and that's what a lot of us try to do you don't have to necessarily although Aaron's paying me back and as some of the other guys and I'm real proud of what they do and, and what they've become yeah it's been it's been great I mean I can't say how um again things can change your life and for me if anybody's ever wondering how not pumping up my own tires but how I have the drive I have or the discipline or the, the work ethic, not, not in everything. I certainly can't fold clothing and I suffer at taking the garbage out, but when it comes to fitness and being able to grind it out, I mean, that's a hundred percent because of you, um, you know, and when I was in high school and, you know, when you, I mean, everybody needs a coach Perkins, um, at some point in time in their life. And luckily for me, it was at a, at a young age. And so, you know, whether it be, um, just a tough time in your life or, you know, obviously on the field or whatever. It wasn't like I'm a football guy. I mean, I loved playing football, but I don't even watch football now. I'm about the farthest thing away from football there could be. But, you know, there there was something that you, well, I remember frequently you yelling, run over and, and pursue, run and <laughs> pursue. And then you talked about heart every day that it doesn't matter who you are. It's the amount of heart you have in you. And that's very true. It doesn't, I mean, the thing is, is 
struggle is what makes you better as a person, meaning if you're some rich kid that got his whole life handed to him, you're, you're probably going to be a pussy. Um, if you've struggled your whole life or had to work for things, you're probably going to be pretty tough. Um, and that was one, you know, one not to bring back the glory days. Um, I'm sure you remember this. We played a, a team that was a Catholic school, and they generally won. I mean, they were very good. They could recruit. And we were, in my opinion, we were so far ahead, they shut their own lights off so we wouldn't 50-point them by halftime. You remember? Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> the year before, I think, was the best one. That's when uh, one of my first years there, and then you were a junior, and we were a young team, and they came up, and they were they were they they had some studs. I mean, for a high school team, they, were, they had some studs. They were ranked one of the top teams in the state. Uh, the school made them our homecoming, and I couldn't understand that, why you would schedule a tough-ass <laughs> team like that for a homecoming, but they did, and uh, we upset them. Uh, they weren't very good sportsmen. They're fucking assholes walking but, off the field. But we uh, upset them. We had a couple kids or got uh, hurt early. Didn't look real great, but you know what? I think uh, the things that we had talked about and the way we trained uh, – and some of my old stuff came from old Woody Hayes and some of them boys back to them old Buckeyes, you know, because I'm a Buckeye. And uh, and we upset them. And I think that was a turning point for even all the kids in the school because we ran off like, uh, after that victory, we ran off like 16 straight. And we got beaten in the state championships next year, but we never lost after that. So I think that was a big turning point. And, and for the, the young men's, all of them, their confidence, they believed in their self. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And um, obviously, like, Frank, you don't ever hear me talk about this much, but um, that next year, the lights got shot off. I think you had the biggest sales pitch of, well, we'll just say that was halftime. We weren't start back <laughs> up. <laughs> and, uh, that's what we did. And they, we started back up. But, you know, different things, What the way that my brain works anyway – that halftime, we had some Peckerwood coach, um, I mean, Newbell. I didn't really like the guy. And he was talking about how these guys think we're a bunch of dumb loggers and rednecks or whatever. It was the worst motivational speech you could ask for. And then you, right after that, said you need to be proud of who you are. And you are loggers. You're from a logging community. You're men. It doesn't matter what they think of you. You show them that you're better than they are. And we beat the shit out of them. What did we win by? We had like freshmen in kicking the shit out by the time I said down <laughs> 60 something to zero, I think is what it ended up being. What did we beat them by? I, well, we played three quarters because the lights went out. They said they couldn't get out. And I think we had them, we was getting ready to really crush them, but it ended up like 30 something to nothing. Yeah, it was but, bad. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we said we we're going to go out there and show them who we are, be proud, and we we're going to play with class. Something that they supposedly should have had, but they didn't exhibit that, and we did. Oh, it, when we beat them the year before, um, and these are all things, I'm not saying this because I don't talk about football really in the glory days. These are things that I remembered throughout my life that, you know, they were such pecker woods when they walked off the field that day for a Catholic school. One, it didn't do a whole lot for me in the Catholic religion. And then two, I was like, really? Like, you know, this is a big deal for us. And they were just talking shit. And so, uh, yeah, that next a year. Catholic school, they were talking a lot of shit. Well, 
I remember they're not always the nicest. No, no. And there don't was, believe just because they go to a Catholic school. I will not bless you, sir. Just there, there's people that listen to this from Oregon. There are a lot of names that are still around there, like Travis Barsotti, which was like a six foot one, hundred ninety five, hell of a running back. Um, That's big for high Tony Banning. I think his name was Tony Banning. He big was six four, two sixty. <laughs> I mean, these are big kids. Brian Lule was a run. Uh, Ryan Lula, linebacker, he was good. And then Silver Nagels, there was a bunch of those different yeah, guys. Yeah, they were a senior-dominated, huge team. We upset them. They, they weren't happy. And, and this, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's not as much about the football aspect of it as it, as it it made me learn later on in life, obviously, with adversity and everything else that, you know, I mean, with hard work and, and, and heart, you can do anything you put your mind to. And, and I try to show my daughter that, that you know, it doesn't really matter where you came from or or who or how much money you have. It's really all up to the individual person. And you can make all the excuses you want, but you work at it hard enough, you know, you can make or do something special. And, and that was the biggest thing I learned from you. And I can't, again, I can't thank you enough. And obviously, you know, it's, we haven't distanced ourselves. I've just moved away. We stay in good contact and you stay in contact with most of the players are the cool ones anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Everybody, you know, heck, we've been to the weddings and, you know, the kids. And uh, I was at a football game last Friday, and there's actually some of the guys that you graduated with and stuff. Their kids are in high school now, and so I'm watching them play, and uh, I'll probably be back maybe Friday there in the playoffs. Uh, but if I may get to watch that game too. And so they're doing good here the I last didn't even think years. of that when I got you the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you might get back and watch the game. Yeah, yeah. If it's too far away, I won't go because I don't know if it's going to be home. So I don't know about that. But you know, in that aspect, it, and, and and a lot of things in life. If I always said, fifty uh, percent of it is showing up. Yeah. If you just if you just get your ass up, and and and, and get there <laughs> and show up, that's fifty percent <laughs> of it. Then do something when you're there, and I think that's a good lesson for a lot of people today. As I drove in with uh, your wife, Amy, we were talking, we're seeing people. So we were talking about different things like that. And that's that's the thing these days with a lot of not just kids but people. Uh, they seem like they're entitled to something. And and I think common sense has went out the window a lot. But uh, if they would just get up, set alarm clock. Some of them, can't, uh, evidently, they don't know how to set an alarm clock to get up and get to work or get somewhere and better themselves in life and and when somebody gets after you a little bit, don't tuck your tail and pout and cry. You know what? Suck it up and let's uh, get after it. And I think that's the thing. That's how I kind of coached and work with people. Other coaches, they, I don't know, they don't know how to relate to people or they treat kids inferior. I think I've always tried to treat the young men that I coached uh, like people. Yeah, no, you you did, and it, it spoke volumes. And, and again, um, you know, when you, um, you know, when you're young, you're, I mean, people you have around you are setting the kind of paving the way or whatever for the future. Obviously, I was not good at school. I think, uh, as I remember you pestering me about that. I think I graduated with a 1.89, um, which is a D. I made it, but I always worked hard. And that was the thing that, that carried me was, not not work I didn't work hard at school but I had a good work ethic and a lot of that you know you drove home or drove through or whatever and and it works the same day on the mountain um I'm talking about this shit years but I remember you used to run our asses to the 10 back 20 back 30 and I 
I remember seeing people finish when we were doing that ahead of others that should have been winning, meaning there was work ethic that pushed others farther ahead than than who maybe was a natural athlete, was faster, and it boiled down to, to drive and determination. And uh, yeah, I mean, not to make this a motivational podcast, but it's it's been huge for me. And I, I definitely feel like some of the success I've had in bow hunting and, and now shooting the damn stick bow, having that drive and determination to finish the goal that's in front of you. Um, a lot of that came, you know, that determination came from, you know, as goofy as it is, from a guy from Ohio yelling at me on the football field. Oh, I can still hear it in my brain run over and over. And, but it made me a better person. So, and I fucking hate to run. Yeah. <laughs> and things happen, you know, I, I, I believe this things happen in our life for a reason. And I, and I always believe that, uh, how I got there to Oregon, never even know. I, I thought the school was called Mill City but it was Sandy M and how uh, my roundabout way I got to that and got to meet and be with this, all this came together. It's crazy how things like that. And it's just like Aaron here at Kufaro, uh, starting back. We bow hunted when he was in high school, right after he got out of high school, he had a raggedy ass bow that I don't know, I think his arm, it was too long for him or something. My brother sent a bow out here for my son, which has longer arms than Aaron, even though he's younger. I don't know if that was a darton or whatever. It was all set up, and that was, it was fast, and Aaron was hooked on speed, had the big, <laughs> had the, all that. So we got that bow, Aaron. Uh, I don't know what we, tra you traded my son because he, he wanted a rifle or something. So that was one of your first Good bows, and I couldn't remember if it was a Darton or what. Do you remember that thing? Yeah, I can't remember. That, it had the big overdraw big on it. Big metal, metal pins. Yeah, fast. Aaron liked that fast, fast <laughs> one. We used to sleep alongside the road. We didn't have all this good equipment, you know. Now no, we, we did uh, not. We slept alongside the road, and if it got rain, we'd run under, get under the truck at a four-wheel drive, and we hunt it. And yeah. So those were the good days, though. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah. A lot simpler of a time. Yeah, definitely a lot simpler of a time. And, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that seem to get skipped with, you know, kids nowadays. Like I, I worked on that trail crew team, which, you know, fallen trees or what crosscut saws. And um, I remember Arden Corey, uh, Adam's dad. Yeah, I, I yep. went through my uh, – Adam was a, a tall I just kid. saw him the other day. He's still alive. And yeah. <laughs> he he uh, His dad, though, when I went through bow hunter safety – his dad taught the class or the archery portion of it. And he brought a bow in and I haven't, I don't know that I've talked to Orton since then, which would have been probably in 1988. Um, you know, I saw him at games or whatever, but I don't, I, but I remember he had this bow and I was enamored with, you know, the idea of maybe archery. 98, 88. You weren't, you couldn't. Uh, well, I went through when I was 12. So yeah, oh, 80, yeah 88, maybe it was 89. 88. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 88, 89. I went through when I was 12 and I was enamored with, you know, bow hunting, and I don't think Arden's much of a bow hunter. I think he's a rifle guy, but whatever. He ended up sharpening our crosscut saws um, when I worked for the trail crew team. And then I went through school with this kid, which I don't really like, Adam. Um, I never did in high school anyway. He's so always a little prick. But uh, is he pretty cool now? He's kind I, of a pompous little fucker. He seems he to. He's doing good. Yeah. I saw him. I saw a bunch of them at the state championship game last year. So there was a, there was a, a lot of the guys were there, actually, from, from that. 
uh, era and stuff. So it was pretty good. What it's crazy. Uh, I don't know how much people are going to want me to talk about this, but Aaron Ward's one of the, I like Aaron. You like Aaron. He's funny, but he got in some trouble. He in jail for a while, like three years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but he's doing real good. I mean, dude, he's straightened his life out. And uh, good people. His his mom and dad, great people. On on a logging company, and he's he's following suit right now so him and his dad is running the, running the company and stuff so he works hard and so he's uh he's, he's done pretty good in his life too i mean after a little little blip so you can come back from that yeah well my 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 mom she tells me she tells people all the time with kids that are little assholes like don't give up because my son's great and he was a little asshole I was always, we, we fought too much um all the time and 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 dustin who's no longer with us it was me and him rob stinson and ward we we were bad. I mean, when I say bad, we 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 fought probably too much. Um, you know, Ward probably had the best dad out of all of us. Ward's dad was yeah. Cool. Well, Ward. you guys all went down there, and should he probably I think Bob said he butchered two cows your yeah. senior year <laughs> to feed you guys because he made sure you guys had steak and stuff. So you know that uh, that's all part of it too. You have a uh, uh, parents and people that uh, that kids come in, you feed them, take care of them. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, Al, like Al, we didn't have any money. He brought me, bought the turf cleats, remember, for yeah. me and Dustin. And and uh, Al, who owns Al Ward Logging, and now Bob and Aaron run it, I guess. Yeah, so, they own it now. They own it. So. Yeah. And, but Ward was crazy as hell. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he stuck his pecker on the overhead projector, <laughs> and he stuck an air hose in the kid's ass and chop. Um, uh he was, we were wild, man, wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, and on it, I mean, the glue that stuck us together to keep us out of trouble was that man right there. Like, when I say crazy, I don't, Dustin Childress is one of the craziest guys I've ever met. He would fight anyone at any time. I mean, you, you knew him a lot longer than I did. Obviously, I left, but he and I threw down it once, and I remember I rocked him, and he gave me a black eye. He took everything I had. I mean, he was a tough kid, and he, well, he ended up getting the shit kicked out of him, it sounds like, by multiple men. But Dustin was a guy that he was just he just liked to fight. I mean, he, I mean, how would you? Yeah, he was kind of like that. But you know, when we were in school, you got to realize this: you guys really didn't get in trouble because you wanted to play ball. Yeah, you wanted to be part of something <laughs> because yeah. you know you know you knew the rules. Uh, we didn't want to make an example out of any of you, and I loved you, but I would have. Uh, yeah. I would have kicked you off the team. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and uh, so we tried to get our grades. The things that make you, because you got to get your grades to play, things like that. And then uh, I guess it's kind of funny, but even some of the guys today, that even the younger ones that were freshmen, sophomores, uh, when we talk about Dustin and stuff, they tell me that I'm the only one that he never back talked to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you know, that's a lot. Of, I remember uh, Dorsey Smith, I don't. And I hold I hold grudges. I mean, I I do. He told Rob Stinson and I we'd never be anything but loggers. And uh, that crooked tooth fucker. I'm glad <laughs> I haven't seen him to this day. And he was a good athlete, and he's a math teacher, and he may be a good guy. But I remember thinking later in life at some of this stuff, like things he said, and uh, you know, he just straight up said to Rob, "You guys will be never be anything but loggers." And I'm like, who are you? You're a fucking math teacher in a small community. You're no better than anybody else. Not that there's anything wrong with being a math teacher. I'm not saying that. But he was the only one that treated us with respect and worked around, when I say he, Perkins, worked around our issues, I guess. And, you know, 
some of the different guys, you know, like Josh Ruby, who's uh, does he set the state record that year for yards? No, no, no. We had to take him out of the game too much. So <laughs> <laughs> this we. But he well, was even, good, man. He did good. He was he was good, and we we ran a, a quick pitch a lot. And um, but you know his dad was at the game all the time. Um, uh, but you know a lot of our our dads were rougher on us than than kids probably see nowadays. And it, it's not a fluke that twenty years prior to our success, they were good twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. and I coached the they they had they hadn't really won much for 20 years and it was a lot of the kids their dads had won years yeah. that years ago and so and it's almost like right now they're doing the same thing so you got some yeah. <laughs> the kids that I coached their kids and they're they're having a decent decent year yeah they're they well they had a real good year and a real good year last year so that's good you know so yeah yeah you know. it, and it, I don't keep up with I mean I talk to you and award occasionally but uh, like Ward was a fullback and Ruby was the uh, kind of the primary running back. But um, Adam Thomas, I talk with him occasionally. Yeah, um, yeah so do I. I mean, I, I, not as much now, but they still stop by. But, yeah, I talk to him and a lot of the guys that play. I still, you know, like I said, we're still in contact. And, and that's the best thing for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm 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 horrible about that. You're definitely more uh, a social guy. I'm an introvert and an asshole. I don't really talk to anybody. Not, not for any other reason, like – uh, I just, I just, once I left, I never really came back, but the, uh, it's good to see like Ward doing good. I like, I like Ward a lot and, uh, he's funny, like super funny, but he probably, I would have to say, cause his mom, Vicky, his mom was super cool. I mean, we go over and hang out at their house. We go fishing, we'd all go hunting and everything else. And you, I'm not saying like school wise, well, I mean, Back then, if we had a, a gun in the truck, Mr. Easter would put it in his office We and then give it back to us and we go hunting. It was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. quite a bit different where, you know, now obviously you're not going to get away from that. But, you know, like some of the different, not to get you in trouble because you have to go back and deal with them, but some of the different important figures, um, and I'm not blaming anyone or anything, but looking back at it, um, I feel that obviously there was certain things said and done and things like that from some different teachers and, and everything else where, you know, you look back in your life and you think, man, if I'm in a position to help a kid out, I'm certainly going to use that specific circumstance or instance and do a 180 degree opposite of what that guy did, if that makes any sense. Where with you, everyone respected you. You earned it. You didn't demand it. Big correct, difference. Correct. And and I believe I believe that should be. Uh, and that's the problem even today. I think with some people in authority, teachers, whatever. Again, it goes back. They 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 treat the kids, and maybe I don't know. Maybe it's how they were raised, or they have some complex, and then they they believe they're in some power, and then they try to. To me, I don't think they try to bring the, uplift the kids and, and make them all they can be they try to kind of squash them down a little bit and you know make them feel bad about <laughs> yourselves and I mean I, I, I still don't understand that's one reason I got in coaching years ago when I started in Ohio started coaching got my first coaching job in long time 1986 I started as a strength and conditioning coach and uh, every place I coach we turned the program around 
they weren't very good. So I know that's a testament of what my coach, old coach, did. And a guy I coached with, his coach did the same thing. They worked worked you hard, but they loved you. Yeah. And took care of you. And they wanted to, they wanted to see you do good instead of uh, put the thumb on you, squash you, talk about you, as you mentioned, teachers or something. And I know I always told you, you no, know, if anybody told you you can't do it, even if it was me, get the hell away from them. Yeah. Don't be around people that says can't. Can't's not a good word. You can't do this. You know what? Maybe I'm not physically able to, which I'm getting to that point on things, and that's why this hunt was really uh, great for me. Uh, Frank, you know, I appreciate what he did for me yesterday. Great. Good, no problem, man. I had a good time. Yeah, it was cool. Well, and, you know, to, um, as, uh, as time's gone on or whatever, obviously I've got a kid now, and, uh, you know, you learn <laughs> you know, maybe what you thought you you know, I don't know, when you're 20, you think you know everything, and you get to 40, you know you don't know enough type of a thing as you get older, you know, but, but trying to raise my kid, um, you know, talked about it on a podcast yesterday, she watches different things and on social media and what like Frank and I do and, and different hunts, and it's important for me that she knows that like on the deer hunt this year or different, you know, training or whatever that she's capable of far more than she has any idea, you know, physically the, the mind is a very powerful thing and, and, you know, how much you put into it is, is, uh, you know, a lot of that with, with her because of the day and age we're in now, it seems like participation trophies are, you know, the greatest thing in the world now where I'm trying, you know, try to get her to where she understands those suck, honey. You don't want a participation trophy, do your best and don't worry about the trophy and everything else. So, you know, kind of carry through, you want to have your goal or whatever, but just work your hardest at it. But she's an athlete too. Track, yeah. Yeah, track no, and she, the other stuff she does. That's why I get so pissed when she doesn't beat us up the fire road. Cause I know she's faking the funk. And, yeah. Uh, she could do that. Oh yeah. She'll get three quarters of the way up, kicking the shit out of us and just lay up on us. But she's, <laughs> she's, she's gotta be challenged or she's not as driven as she probably could be, but she's a super good kid. And, uh, you know, I, uh, a lot of that stuff, uh, from, from, you know, my dad and I do don't have a relationship um, at all, and uh, so I pretty much whatever he did as a kid, or when I was a kid, I pretty much figured if I did the exact opposite, my kid would probably turn out okay. It seemed to <laughs> panned out for me, and I treat her a lot of the way you treated us, to where if she screwed up, you know, I didn't just beak at her forever and try to lock her in a room. I want to talk to her about it, what she did, why, you know, and not. You know, obviously there needs to be some discipline there. And I got in trouble a bit, um, you know, when I was in high school. I remember you were like, snide, uh, when I, with the teacher thing. with Yeah, yeah. Oh. But but that was that was just a little <laughs> blip. That wasn't bad. I mean, re- realistically, that, realistically, it wasn't that. I mean, and but we didn't show, I didn't show favoritism. No, no, you know that. Uh, uh, you know, we had a, one of the, one of the players was a coach's son, and uh, that's I guess it's hard, but I think I, I, I know some of the guys told me they that's how I earned their respect was uh, because he was just another member of the team. Yeah. And I got after his ass just like anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Even though maybe his dad didn't like it, but he, he had to do the same. Yeah. You know, there was no, you know what, he could go stand on the sideline too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. When I uh, – so I didn't end up getting to play the first quarter of the state championship. 
Is that what it was? Yes. Yes, Aaron. It was a state <laughs> championship game. We could have used you there. Uh, yeah. It, it was uh, – I, so I was stupid for one. I uh, I mean, I, it doesn't matter if I'm saying now. So Well, all you did, let's just say this so you don't have to incriminate I, yourself to that. <laughs> <laughs> what the rule you broke you you faked you had somebody fake your mom's signature or said to you not ride the bus to not ride the bus from a game and you got in with uh someone and then uh your mom was like wondering where you was at and she called the other coach and not me and so that's how you got in trouble so we won't let you incriminate yourself too yeah it wasn't the smartest <laughs> just say i've always been into older women um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Frank, yeah, no yeah. comment. No. Cougar. <laughs> it would have been a lot bigger deal nowadays, but I think. It was. Uh, yeah, it would have. Um, yeah, yes, it would have. The uh, <laughs> good lord, my poor mom. Um, but that was uh, you know, a good example. It was a well thought out plan, I guess. It worked until my mom screwed it up. She yeah. was worried where I was at, and uh, yeah, well, she never usually was worried about you. Yes. <laughs> She still worries about me now. It's crazy. She, she's my mom, man. I, now you know those grizzlies can eat you. Yeah, mom, I know. I do this for a living. She, be careful. Sometimes at night those bears come into camp. I'm like, yeah, mom, they do. Okay, you know she's constantly saying something. Yeah, they, they Just didn't. a mom. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've drug her through through hell. But let's uh, let's talk about the the deer hunt now. On it. I ended up coming back. This almost didn't work out worth a shit because I was in Alberta, but I killed out early, so I was able to fly back right. and uh, and go out on the first day with you, which we got close. We had four price shooters, um, three yeah. for sure. Yeah. And uh, and then the next day, I had to go into work, and you went out, but you forgot your tag. And so good, luckily you didn't commit a crime. Yeah, I did the right thing. <laughs> I, I, I came back home. <laughs> So I, I I had the choice of yesterday uh, having Amy take an Uber home after I'd been gone for almost a month. Bad idea. Or, yeah, have Frank take Perk out, and I went and got Amy. And so that's what happened. So when you guys went out yesterday, how'd that go? Because you guys ended up shooting a hell of a deer. Yeah, we got out there first thing in the morning, kind of timed it up perfectly. We, we ended up uh, getting to the parking spot and walking down and, Right when the sun was coming up, we were going up to a glassing spot that you told us to go to, and we saw like I don't know, maybe twelve does, fourteen does up yeah, on the yeah. on the hillside, and the rut's starting to to pick up there. I guess it's kind of pre-rut, almost full-on rut going on now, and we were like, "Dang man, there's got to be a buck up there." So uh, we watched them deer, we watched them feed around the the peak there, and we decided to kind of get closer and take a look, and we uh, we did some glassing for a good portion of the, of the morning and did we weren't turning up any bucks other than a couple um, small smaller bucks and um, perk said he wanted to go kind of take a look in this other little drainage there where these where those uh does fed over and i let him take it from here yeah that's what we did we just kind of waited waited out there in the morning we had some uh deer feeding and stuff and we didn't push anything we kept glass and finding some deer here and there and uh we thought this drainage was deeper than it was and then uh yeah, we had a few left there with a little buck and when they all fed over we got ourselves together and we went over there and when we went over that little ridge there uh it wasn't as deep as we thought it was a really nice looking area but all all these deer were gone i mean like disappear and we're out in pretty open country and uh so we just cruised on over and uh 
found a little deeper area there, and there's look some trees and stuff. And uh, uh, Frank spotted a little one. I, I don't know why I couldn't see him. He kept trying. He's like by this tree, and he's looking. And finally, I see a smaller buck. And then Frank doesn't see all these does, and I pull him back, and there there's all these does that we had kind of seen earlier in the morning. We're pretty sure. And uh, the wind wasn't with us there. I mean, terrible wind blowing right in down into this little draw. And uh, couple bucks popped up and Frank's like, uh, that's a shooter. I'm like, let's get to this. There was a big rock there. I said, get to the rock. So we got our <laughs> ass to the rock quick. And, uh, he ran out there and it was, it worked out perfect. Frank ranged him out. We set her up there and, uh, they didn't really know what was happening. Some of the doe stopped. And I think that's why that buck, he was starting to rut there a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, we you know after we got to him and stuff, we could see he started to swell a little bit, but I think cause every, all the does didn't run. I think, uh, he just kind of stopped there and slowed down and put his head down a little bit. And uh, Frank ranged him for me, set it up there, and, uh, hey, I never shot the gun, so I felt pretty good uh, after we got him, dropped him there 260-some yards. First time I'd ever shot the gun, hell. Well, we, we, I, I'm, I was, I'm pleased, hell. <laughs> we, we had uh, – I'm not exactly a gun guy, so I'm in Alberta, and uh, you were in Idaho – and you were going to give me that gun you had, and uh, then you thought you might go to Montana, and I'm like, well, we got to put a gun together. So you put uh, what? What is it? Uh, so we had a Kimber 6.5 Creedmoor Kimber Open Country, Open it's Country, a heavy, heavier barrel, fluted barrel. Um, it's kind of like a. It's almost like a. It's it's well, that's what it's for. It's for Open Country. It's a heavier barrel gun, so it's not like their standard pencil barrel gun. It's one of their more target style rifles, I guess. Yeah. So you, you put that together for us. So we got in, I got in and showed you the gun and then, uh, you were like, Oh, it's got turrets. And I'm like, it doesn't do any good. I have no fucking idea how to use them. Um, I, <laughs> so we're gonna have to wing it. Well, I texted you a picture when I was in Alberta, it was a ballistic table. It was an estimate on, I use that shooter app. So it was an estimate on, you know, roughly what the air pressure was that day yeah. and the temperature, um, that morning i sent you the picture but your phone was all screwed up and you didn't get it and you guys were telling me when i got back you're like yeah we had this bucket like 450 i'm like well did you dial it and you're like what yeah i'm like well i sent you that picture you're like what picture <laughs> yeah well we were t- we were reading to the box right and i'm like well he's probably 36 inches over its back or <laughs> there's little hash marks on there just wing it which i'm horrible about winging it um but then yesterday even though you well, I said something about if we download Bullet Flight, we could probably figure this shit out. Um, isn't that the app or one of them? Shooter. Shooter? Shooter seems to be what most people okay. use. And uh, Well, the thing about that Creedmoor, and I was talking to Avery about this because I'm not a gun expert either, but I, he said a lot of those Creedmoor shoot faster than what's on the box, which that one does. Yeah. So it probably had a little bit less of a drop than you guys were thinking anyway, but you guys didn't end up taking the shot anyway. So. I rely heavily on luck. Well, that, to me right now, and then we were talking about that, you know, when we were talking about the, the school thing and all that, things happen for a reason. And I thought about that yesterday and even said that a little bit to Frank, you know, that, you know what, if I everything had dialed in, we probably would have a good chance we would have killed a buck the first day. I mean, the, late in the evening we had a, a – I think he was a, a monster of a mule. I mean, a big gray – I mean, a Biggest body deer and I seen in a while. He wasn't as super tall, but he's wide. But he was one heck of a buck. Came in there late, and we didn't take that shot. We was four hundred and some. If we didn't, 
had everything dialed in. We'd have took that shot, maybe killed him. We'd have been done. We tried to get in there, and we ended up leaving that deer because we thought they would stay. The next day on a Monday, I go by myself. I see two bucks, and I realize I, I left my tag in Aaron's garage yeah. in a bag, call Aaron. <laughs> I said, um, I, I unloaded the gun, went back to the car, and drove an hour back to Aaron's, and then we go we go out yesterday with Frank, and everything works, and we get a really nice buck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, every, I mean, I, obviously I wish I would have been there, but it was, I'm glad I got to hunt with you for the day and it, uh, well, and you got to hang out with Frank too. And it, it, uh, I, I was almost, I told Amy, I said, they're probably going to kill one. <laughs> I was like, yeah. there's too many bucks running around in there. The, the problem, I got to stop fucking around. I got to learn, I got to work on the, uh, I wing it so much with the gun. Um, I've only shot two animals. If I shot more than two, just two, right? With the gun? Yeah recently in the last four or five years three total the bear moose another bear a few uh, bears grizzly what bear, what bear did i shoot with a gun you shoot one in washington yeah so that's thir- the third i shot a grizzly, grizzly a black bear and a moose and a moose so the, the black bear i have the kafaru lightweight gun i end up shooting at 18 yards because that <laughs> that's just being a bow hunter yeah i just was like i can get closer i can come around the corner there it is i'm like oh i'll shoot that and then the grizzly was a Basically, they told me it was going to get banned, the grizzly hunting, and because I was just going to keep coming back till I killed one with the, the bow. And they were like, you need to you need to kill one if you can because they're going to ban it. So I think the last night I killed it far, far away with a one-to-four loophole at four-something. I mean— Brush gun. Yeah. 308. 308. Totally winged it and hard shot it. And then the moose was a 338-something. uh it's a special round, and I shot that at seventy yards or something coming in. So I, I again, I, I kind of wing it too much with the uh, the gun, where I'll just hold over, get closer, and and definitely that hurt us because I'm well, like the first group we went on, we would have just stopped at that rock pile and right. shot him at four fifty. <laughs> Instead, I wanted to get into like two hundred. Yeah, we got there, but they they got away from us there a little bit. Yeah, they squirt out the bottom in that area pretty easy or out the top in those drainages. They end up being either they're whether they're deeper or shallower, they're deep enough to where they can run. And in and, and glassing like we do, you'll watch and you learn a lot because when other hunters come in, you'll see them tuck into one of those drainages and you'll see them pop out 400 yards later. And, and that's what happened. That one popped out the bottom and went up the drainage on the other side. Yeah. I think you guys killed it. That's the one that. It, that's what you think it is. I didn't get a good look at it that day. or it, We actually saw it twice, kind of, because we bumped him because he kind of got a— I figured you probably saw it in my face when it ran away, and I went, fuck. Yeah. That deer's a lot bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, they got away from us, but, you know, hey, like I said, everything works out for a reason, I believe, and, hey, got a nice buck. And if that was the same one, well, we got him and yeah, and stuff, you know. And, and I know— uh, Aaron, these guys bow hunt a lot, and and I I used to bow hunt for years. I loved it, and the only reason I don't is because I I can't pull the bow back. Yeah, yeah. You've got so you got rheumatoid arthritis, correct? And uh, that uh, hadn't really slowed you down. I mean, you're not you can't do the same shit you used to do, but you still get out and you run dogs. Um, for obviously we haven't mentioned that yet. You're a big houndsman. So how many yeah. dogs do you have? No, I've got I got six, but one old one I don't run, and then my son has uh, eight. Yeah. And he'd run. So we got a pretty good pack. And we do a lot of damage work uh, for some timber companies and stuff back in Oregon. And uh, we run a cat. 
and uh, we do uh, damage work on cougars too. So I, I believe that's a good service for a lot of our, uh, I call them friends and family, but a lot of our local uh, ranchers and stuff like that and people, I mean, because they're, uh, they're totally out of control in Oregon. Uh, and I know a lot of guys, if there's any guys from Oregon, they, they know that listen to any of this or know, they absolutely know what we've been fighting. Uh, it's just insane. There are so many around our house. Uh, the bear numbers are incredible. And that's why the deer population and the elk in Oregon are terrible. Yeah, definitely. And that's why one reason I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> talk, uh, talk about the, you told me yesterday there was a, the cost of killing, was it 300 cats or something? Yes, yes. So I was part of, uh, I used, uh, I haven't been there, but four or five years ago, I was part of, I went in and I guess as part of what I, I, I don't care, you know, Aaron knows I, I get in, I'm not afraid to speak. Uh, so when I think something's right or wrong, I'll speak up for it. Uh, I thought it was wrong what state of Oregon was doing, how they were trying to manage cougars and bears. They, they come up with a plan. They call it targeting areas and stuff. And I think there's some other states in the West. I know California. It's where it started, right through Oregon and Washington. And uh, so through the Freedom and Information Act, uh, we were working with legislatures in, in the state capitol trying to get some type of hunting back with the hounds for cougar mainly, but they need to get it back with for the bears too. In some of these other states, they, they need to realize what they're doing. Uh, so they call it targeting areas, and they would go into units, just like here in this state. They got units numbered. Well, they got them numbered there, but they, call it, they name them. And the fish and wildlife, they would even pay guys, even like myself, and then some of the USDA guys, which are – they call it USDA APHIS, Wildlife Services. They're a government agency, which taxpayers pay for them to kill our animals. And uh, and I've got some friends that I like, that I help, that actually work for them. But the cost then, in 07 to 010, the numbers we got, it cost them $303,000 to kill 101 cougars. And Frank and I was talking about that going hunting yesterday. And not only do they kill cougars, this is what they do. They take, and when they go in these areas, they say we're going to kill, and a lot of times I've never seen much over 30, so it's usually in the 20s. They say we're going to kill 20, let's say 23 or 24 cougars out of this unit. And they send these guys in here, and when they say kill cougars, they mean kill them all, big and small. They don't care how little they are. They count them, and they want them killed. And then we call it a landfill problem because what they do with them is they throw them in the landfill, just like garbage. And if anybody thinks that's not wrong, on both sides, if you're a so-called environmentalist or whatever you want to call yourself, then there's something wrong with you. As a hunter, and I know some hunters think it's okay because, oh, they're helping the deer and elk population. But really, is that ethical and moral? And you read in the Fish and Wildlife guide one of the things in there you can read in there we want our hunters to be ethical moral polite hunters close the gates and then they do this and they do bears even worse and i because i spoke about this at the state legislature and uh, i think it's and frank and i also talked about this so that was 07 010 and about four or five years ago 
because we were, I was set beside a, a gentleman that did a study for Oregon State University on cougar, and they tagged 54 of them. And how do they get these cougars tagged? They use hounds <laughs> <laughs> to tag and tranquilize these cougars and bears. So it's okay for the hound guys and us to help them when they need help yeah. or when there's a depredation problem or when they hurt someone. They get someone with hounds to track it down and take care of that. But they don't want us to have a season with their hounds. And so that's where I have a tough time with that. It's definitely a, lost, a lot of lost revenue for the state. You know, you could reverse that opposite. And I'm sure you bring in all kinds of houndsmen in there that would want to actually hunt them and well, take just, the meat. Right. Just anyone, Frank, like we said, there there are some huge animals in that state right now. I mean, and people do not even realize because I'm talking like this state hunts and there's others. They are. There's so many right now. It is. I, I don't even think they know how many. They say there's 6,500, six to 65, whatever. They thought it was up to 7,000. I don't think because I used to hunt three, four, five times a week. And, and my son and I and others talk about this, and I never seen anybody from Fish and Wildlife counting animals, any animal. That got us in trouble, actually, when we mentioned that about Colorado. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, true, that's, but that's the truth, and, and sometimes the truth hurts. And, and it's not that there's, there's good and bad in everything, in all aspects of the hunting, bow hunters, gun hunters, uh, hound hunters, all hunting, and just not hunting. Let's just look at our politics. If you wanted to get in that since there's elections, are all these people this great? We got, there's good and bad in all aspects of it. But as Frank and I was talking, I'll go back and, and I'm going to try to be heavy. But so now, four or five years ago, I'm talking to guys and I'm saying, okay, what are they going to do now? Because I sat, like I mentioned earlier, I sat with the guy that was doing this study. They kill 1.1. That was, that was their outcome. 1.1 average, they kill more, the cougars do, they kill more game in the summer than they do the winter because the meat's of the spoilage, and they don't like spoiled meat, so they kill more in the summer than they do in the winter. So they know all these numbers. These are factual numbers. These were presented to uh, in, the, in a, a hearing and stuff, and you still, with all these correct numbers, and these are facts, they put their head in the sand a little bit, and we also learned that after about five years, five to six years, after they do these things in these units, the cougar population is right back to where it was. And so we're thinking, okay, what are they going to do, a round robin? And you know what? Oh, yeah, they're doing a round robin. They're going back in now in the same units and doing the same thing over. And I was taught, uh, listen to... Uh, was it Einstein's theory on insanity? If you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result, yeah, that's stupid. Insane. You're you're stupid. Insane. Yeah. Well, and you look at it, um, and I mean, I understand like if you know there's not enough uh, fish and wildlife biologists or game wardens to go around because of funding, but then they could generate a lot of funding from allowing you know running dogs, spring bear hunts. And, and I understand on the legislation point of view, because I got a lot of game wardens got a hold of me over that podcast we did. I, I understand all of that. I think my big thing is, um, all right, well, let's figure out what we need to do to change it and, fi and fix it. We, you know, because we have the, uh, you know, Republic of Boulder. Um, 
which is a problem for us, right? It's like Portland or Seattle or whatever, you know, um, a lot of people there, greenies. And it's an issue where with us, um, we still run cats here. Uh, spring bear season is gone. Uh, baiting's gone. Running them with hounds is gone. Um, and I, you know what? I understand if baiting is, is a big thing, at least allow us to still hunt. And the thing with hounds that I've tried to preach to, to anti or mid-road hunters is how else are you going to be able to pick and choose what gets taken out of the population unless it's stuck in a tree or over a bait? Because most people, well, Frank, on that, did you know yours was a boar or a sow when you saw it? In BC? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I hunt them all the time and I and still can't And most people can't tell. judge a bear, Aaron. No. That most people can't judge, especially if it's four or 500 yards away and they haven't seen a lot of them. I've seen hundreds of them. And you can see, and you've seen a lot of bear, they can't judge that bear. And they'll shoot no, that yeah. bear. And then they get down there and like, man, it's a lot smaller or it's a <laughs> it's a, it's a, a female. Yeah. And I know some guys right here in the state that I know that, you know, we talked about them. And they're good guys. And they had a thing not too long ago. And it was like, okay, this 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 uh, this bear or came out and is like, would you shoot this? And a lot of guys didn't. And then all of a sudden, two cubs come out. Yeah. And if somebody would have took that shot, they just would have killed one, see? And so they're just what you were just saying. You can select. Yeah. You know what you're doing. You can So you can kind of – it's selective. And I think, you know, is, there's nothing wrong with, with that. It's it's a – I don't know. It's an emotional thing or for some people or something, but it's a – I believe the wildlife departments in this state and in the other states, they know that it is a, a tool, and it's a tool that they really need but they have trouble fighting with the legislatures. And and like you said, you call them, which I did back in Ohio, we call them uh, wildlife or game cops or whatever back in, in, in Oregon. They're game cops or staters. I know some of them. And I fight for them just like I do anything else. And they know that because there's not enough of them. I personally want more of them. I, I want more game. We got two guys and and when i spoke at, at times in different places i because they're in blue uniforms i said we got two blue dots covering two counties they have to go home sometime they cannot be out there 20 and even if they were they can't cover the the square miles and and they would rather fund some goofy thing than to put more officers out there or anything yep yeah. And so I'm not bashing. I, there's no way I'm going to bash them guys because they're friends. I like some of them. Yeah, I, I like them and I, I support them. All of our law enforcement, especially them, they have a tremendous job that it's almost impossible to do. Yeah, no, for for sure. And we get along with. Uh, well, I, I get along really well with Dawson. I don't think Logan likes me anymore. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. But I know you ever did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't like me. He likes me less now than probably the beginning, but. You know, in the case of like with, with those guys, you get a lot of four-wheeler traffic, shed hunting, shit where I can't really complain about them not being there because they have such an overwhelming job. They can't be everywhere at one time. No, and they cannot. Of course, I don't want them digging up my ass every day either, but if you get a good game warden, um, with, with especially one that's with raised hunting, they know the deal. I mean, they know, they, you know what, they, they know what's going on. It's just the numbers-wise, there's just not a you know, enough of them. The, the game wardens now that I've, which isn't very many that I've run into, that I've had some issues with as far as common sense goes, is they weren't raised in a hunting family. They right. were 
they're more or less antis or mid road. Um, those ones are a little bit harder to, to deal with, but, um, you know, for the most part, we've got a good, uh, a good group. We've had one on the, a retired game. Warren came on the podcast. Everybody liked him. And, uh, I've had pretty in-depth conversations with Dawson. Um, and, and, and he said, sheds a lot of light on different things that of the, the why's why we're doing this. And, and, and it makes much sense, but, you know, with the hound thing, um, spring bear, things like that, when the population's out of control, it just doesn't make any sense because the deer, the hunting in Oregon sucks so well on the west side and getting to more towards central. Now the Metolius unit used to just be outstanding. It's horrible now. It's it's not good. It's not. It was a and the other one. And on that, we was talking about that. Well, how ironic uh, a retired ex state police in Oregon game cop. Uh, deal and I like him very good he is one of the biggest fighters for the right to get the hound hunting back because he's seen the devastation of too many predators and that's kind of ironic but he is and he has respect in the legislature so he's done a great job there I will say that I mean he is a great guy and uh uh so that, it's kind of funny and I mess with him uh I I I told him it reminds me of the I don't know. It's this would date me, but I don't know if guys remember like the Bugs Bunny and uh, Looney Tunes, but uh, the Coyote. I do. <laughs> Wiley Coyote or whatever. But as anyway, the it's the the sheepdogs, and uh, they're keeping the coyote off that. And then they, at the towards the end, they they check out, and the next shift comes on. I and, and, <laughs> you know, and so see, and they say, "I'll see you tomorrow, Ralph. See you that." And so I always, always mess with him. I said, "See you guys need." hunter so you can get out there and chase them a little bit yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no for for sure that's funny the i think um you know most states do or a lot of states do well some states do really good at um uh the management you know and then other states seem are horrible uh the amount of like tag allocation things like that is like wow where are you getting these numbers where it just kind of seems to above and beyond you know the predators just too many tags, too many hunters in there is another. Yeah, another yes, I, and I think some of these states and, and why they're doing it, I think Oregon does that too. And there's a lot of guys agreeing with me on this, uh, and it's a big issue. Too many tags because they're trying for revenue Yeah. through too many tags and stuff. And and then uh, Frank and I were talking about it yesterday, hunting. So we talked about some things going hunting because uh, I hadn't really met Frank much. He wasn't here last time I was out here. Four, about four years or so ago, and uh, point restrictions, shooting these little deer, these guys going in, just like the unit we was in yesterday. Evidently, I mean, Aaron, I thought you told me they could, sh they can shoot forked horns in that unit. Yeah, yeah, you can shoot whatever. Uh, yeah, it's and, a hair tag, basically. And, and I just can't understand that when you got a pretty decent unit where you could have a chance. I mean, uh, and I told Frank. I remember years ago back in Michigan, their slogan was, if it's let it go, to let it grow. Mm -hmm. Because people were complaining about, oh, not enough deer, not enough big bucks. So that was their slogan for a long time is, let it go and let it grow. Yeah. And so you can get, uh, and I don't know if, you know, a lot of guys, and maybe I don't know if that's a thing in Oregon. I know a lot of hunters, guys I know, they, they would like to have more units that are three-point or better, mm -hmm. things like that. 
So yeah. I don't know uh, exactly how that does, but I do know what you said, the tag, too many tag allocations and units. And I believe it is revenue driven that they're trying to raise money. Yeah. No, I'm sure that's got to be, you know, some of it for sure. Um, and, and it's a deep, uh, the amount of, you know, feedback we've gotten from some of the podcasts we've done. Obviously, there's underlying issues. Among, I mean, like layer upon layer of, of issues. Uh, you know, of issues on both sides of the fence, meaning um, changing some of the, you know, it has to go to legislation to change some of the rules and laws. And then the, for example, you were talking about, you know, putting in this year was easy because it was only $3. And I said, yeah, well, it fucked me. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you're not a state guy. I'm an in-state guy. It doesn't really matter for me. Yeah, it's and 40 L. for us. I think it's $40. It's yeah. 40 to, to get a point and in I the think, state in which I, and I think it's fair. Oh, and what we were talking about, really, elk and mule didn't matter, was, um, you know, before it, you had to put in for the amount of the tag, if you're putting in for goat or sheep or whatever, and now it's three bucks uh, to put in for it. Um, and that increased, you know, three, four, five hundred percent or more for, you know, the amount of people putting in for the tags. It doesn't really matter this year as much. It's once they build up the three points they need to qualify, that's when it'll really be a problem for trying right, to get tags. Yes. So, yeah. but I mean, it is it is what it is. But the um, I think Frank must took a pee break. I'm gonna have to do that in a minute. What uh, when you what what as far as the how does that work as far as like the the nuisance bears and and stuff like that? I mean, how much are you involved in that, that now, and and how often are you helping out? Is it is it pr- pretty sporadic? Well, uh, this year. Uh, Actually, this year, and with uh, the number of calls coming in to uh, USDA, I work with the guy there. And he's, he's actually, you know, he went to school with my boys, and uh, he's a USDA Wildlife Services. So I work with him, and the calls, for some reason this year, just went off the hook. And then they even, after we had a lady get killed just about a month or two ago there by Mount Hood, by a cougar mm-hmm. on, on a hiking trail. They say that's the first confirmed one in Oregon. I guess they could say that. I've always said, how do they know? Because yeah. there's a lot of people that have disappeared. Missing, yeah. Ness never been found. So uh, I guess the, but I guess they will stick with that. But anyway, they have they have tripled. I think they had an article and said that the number of calls has tripled in the last four or five years. And this year, for some reason, there's, there's really a lot of... Uh, nuisance calls or depredation calls for cougar in the state of Oregon. What were you guys talking about? Sorry, I just went to yeah, use, yeah, the yeah, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about uh, how many calls, because I, I do agent work and stuff like that. We do, my son and I, mm-hmm. we do for, you know, you and I talked about that too, and that's what Aaron was asking. Uh, is it sporadic or what I was going, and I was just explaining there that uh, this year the, the numbers have been up, and then they mm-hmm. had a thing that – in the last four or five, six years, they have tripled in the, in the numbers. One thing I wanted to mention is we were talking about yesterday, uh, you can hunt bobcats with hounds, right? Yes, as of right now. I mean, I'm sure there there's somebody out here who's going to try to push that out. But, yeah, we can run bobcat, uh, raccoon if we want, uh, coyote, uh, fox, things like yeah, that. Yeah, that part seemed almost hypocritical or it just didn't make sense to me that you can run the smaller game with hounds, but you couldn't run the, the big cats with hounds. I just wasn't understanding the reasoning behind that. Um, it, it, again, but, like we talked yesterday, you know, you got certain groups 
that are that are in b- behind this, and just like Aaron was talking just pr- prior to that about, it's it's not all the, it's not all the Department of Fish and Wildlife's, even here in Colorado or any of these states, Oregon. It's not all their fault. There's they, they know what they would like to have, they cannot get it. A lot of it goes from the governor down, and that's just a straight fact uh, of the matter. They appoint people in some positions, and they're going to do when, when the you get appointed to some place, and your boss is at a point giving you that position, you're going to do what they want. Yeah, uh, pretty much, or you're not going to have a job. Yeah, and that's what they kind of do. And then you have a certain side, you know, on the political aisle, whatever side, left or right, whatever that means to anyone. And when once one side's dominating. They are not going to pass the laws to help that there really should be happening, and that's what's happening in a lot of our states here. And they're steady picking at the at that right there, taking one thing away at a time. Also, that's right. And they pick on the minorities. You know, they don't. They you know they talk about bullying and stuff. And uh, Amy and I, Aaron's wife, were talking about this this morning. Everybody preaches, you know, bullying's you know one of the words here in the last four or five years. But that's exactly what they do. They bully smaller user groups, minority groups, and as far as we're concerned, that's discrimination. They, and that's another word, another key word you hear. All these words, you know, bullying, discrimination. Fat shaming. <laughs> Dude, I saw, I've been seeing this stuff on social media. Um, yeah, good thing I lost a little weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing this stuff on social media, not to get too political on here, but um, – people have been showing the hypocrisy of like the leftists where they, there's this lady, she was like, we welcome everyone. And this guy's like, well, I'm Republican. She's like, you're not welcome here. It's like, you know, kind of what you're saying. So what is that called? Because I was trying to think of that word this morning with Amy. So what's that word when they say that? Discrimination? Uh, No, no. He's being a hypocrite. No, uh, being, we, we welcome everybody. Tolerant. Tolerance. There we go. I couldn't think of that this morning. Tolerance. We want everyone to be tolerant. Unless they disagree, unless you disagree, unless you with, disagree with yeah. ours, and we will not be tolerant of your idea. It's almost like a religion, um, in some ways. Not all religions, but so you, while we're talking about this, the general, I would say, gist of part of the Bible is love someone for who they are, not who you want them to be, and try to make them better. Um, most religions don't. It's not exactly like when I say that, meaning organized religion a lot of organized religions aren't going to potentially possibly accept you for who you are uh you know and i would say politics are a lot like that as well like they want to change i give you an example i posted that trump hat this morning you know how many friends i lost on facebook this morning (laughs) i stay away from anything political man with anyone i just hate to argue but i think i've been seeing also a lot of stuff where people are like um Regardless of who you vote, vote for, I'm still going to be your friend because I'm an adult. An adult. Yeah, well, it I, used to be that way, but now it seems like with the millennial generation, if you don't agree with it, oh yeah, then uh, I lost 17 friends on Facebook this morning from from uh, posting that hat. I mean, I'm guessing it's that what it's from. I, don't, I mean, I haven't, I don't lose 17 friends in a day normally. So, but it it, it does kill me because like Kenton from first like, first like he hates Trump. He voted for Hillary. I mean, you can imagine how that went driving around the truck. There was all kinds of jokes flying around. But, I mean, it's not like I think less of Kenton. I just was laughing. He just dislikes Trump. I don't think he dislikes Hillary. You know what? I don't think he know that he voted for 
Hillary. I just I know he doesn't like Trump. Um, but we all still get along. But man, there's other times like it. Yeah, I mean that shit gets violent, you know. And yeah. we're in a pretty greeny state here. Pretty, so. Yeah. Well, you know, Oregon same way kind of there, but we got some good people. But yeah, so yeah, when people come to our house, you know, my wife says, okay, we're not going to talk about politics, and I said that's fine. Yeah. It's like you know, I used to go. She worked in, you know, in a in a higher educational field. I guess I don't know how you would call that a professional field. So when we go to events and stuff, you you weren't allowed to talk. Well, I wasn't allowed to talk about hun- <laughs> I wasn't allowed to talk about hunting. <laughs> She'd say, "Okay, we weren't we're not going to talk about hunting or anything like that." No, so I just drink a little wine or whatever they did and listen to them until I couldn't take it in the morning. And I say we have to leave because they don't know the facts. They, when they start spewing lies, you know, I don't like that. So. But, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's our life right now. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> I uh yeah, a unique uh unique time we're in. Like I talked about, you know, we're have a gun in the truck and the principal throw it in his office and get back to you at the end of the school year. You know, I remember we there's nothing something else Dustin was involved in. We shot a window out from the inside of the school with a BB gun during class, um, during recess. Jesus. Uh, and then a great criminals we were we pulled the blind down this was in detroit uh it's double pane window but the the bb's between the panes um so we were like it's not what they know it's what we they can prove i think we're in seventh grade maybe and uh so we had it licked right no one was going to say anything hid the evidence we were good and it was a trade going on i was trading chris kosak a watch for a that bb gun and uh it got discharged in the middle but candy Hussey and Elise, uh, well, can't, one of them broke, right? Had us all separated. We were all, no, no idea what's going on, whatever. And one of the girls broke. And then I think we got detention or something. I don't, think about how that, what would happen now yeah. if you that expel, happened. Expulsion. Sure. No, not expelled. Expulsion probably if, because I don't think you're allowed to have a weapon on school grounds. And then they say not, and the weapon is knives or anything like that. I mean, oh, They'll, they'll, you'll be not going to that school for a while. You'll be in that alternative ed. That's what they got now, right? They even got a special school that they just built in Oregon for alternative ed. Well, I'd have been things are ed definitely going. changing. I saw something the other day that uh, a, a kindergarten kindergartner got threatened with sexual harassment or assault for um, telling a girl he wanted to hug her or he liked her. Oh, Lord. Yeah, the world is a pretty well, screwed up place. Tell some other stories while we're... <laughs> That's why we're hunting. That's why we like to hunt. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Stay away from people. Oh, well, man. Well, yes. I mean, that's what, I, you know, my wife, you know, she says, well, sometimes we're talking about that going to church or whatever. And I'm like, that is my church. I mean, no one says I have to go to a building. Yeah, yeah. I, I get my dogs or a gun and we go up in the mountains and that's where I find my peace. And I'm sure that's where Aaron, Frank, I mean, you guys are out a lot. Uh, a lot of guys are envious of you. And I talked to them about that too, you know. They said, "Man, they got a man, they got a great gig." I'm like, "Well, you know, it's not a family-friendly gig. It's <laughs> almost like a salesman, which I did once, you know, for cars and stuff. That's not a family-friendly gig, yeah, because you're gone to be the best. They're out there, they're sacrificing other things to do what they do, and most people that give, I've only gotten a few." mild arguments about this um and frank you're just getting going on this you'll run into them of you know the word lucky comes up and it's like well one i structured my entire life to be able to do this and there's uh a lot of uh you know i i there's a lot of uh things you sacrifice meaning you don't 
have generally you're not gonna have a giant home four wheelers giant vehicles um lots of payments because you know you're spending all your money on uh, on hunting and i mean it's a it's a lucky position we're in and that, and that it's not a complaint at all but you, you know most people aren't capable probably of, of living the lifestyle that, that frank and i are, are right now nor a lot of people i don't think have it in them um to be in the field that much i mean i don't know, frank what do you think I think just with anything in life, if you want something, a certain something, you're going to have to sacrifice to something else. So I'd say if you want to be a successful lawyer, you're going to be working 14-hour days, so that's going to limit your home life as well. So I think with anything, you're going to sacrifice stuff. So, yeah, like we're going to be going hunting on Thanksgiving this year and the day after Christmas so that you sacrifice some stuff here at home to do other things that you like. Um, so yeah, I guess you have to try to learn to balance it as well. For me, it's not so bad. You're married so you have to juggle the at-home relationship with that, but I think you do a good job with that. You, you and Amy spend a lot of time together, and I think it's also nice that she enjoys a lot of the stuff that you do, hiking and fishing. And you guys, you guys do a lot of that in the summertime, and she's very understanding of that. So I think some of it's a sacrifice, and some of it just works out the way it works out, and um, you just find the right person to, to do that stuff with and they can, they can make it understand. And then, you know, Kaylee's in school and she doesn't live here, but you spend a ton of time with her as well. So, um, yeah, her poor little ass just got drug everywhere when it was just her and I, for the most part, you know, I just, I just took her, which she liked it. I mean, she's probably a better person for it. I mean, better than her sitting behind the computer playing on a video game. Um, you know, but she went, um, well, you were with her one on her first super far backpacking trip, mm -hmm. I think. And, uh, but yeah, she likes it. It's good. And I don't think that, um, you know, with <clears throat> the work side of things, I don't think people ever take into consideration that when Frank and I are gone, it is a shit show when we get back and it's a hole we have to dig out of. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> after hunting season wraps up here, we got a lot of stuff going on. We got the show season. We got uh, we're always working on these big military contracts. So it's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes where we're always working in one form or another. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it comes, I, I have no complaints though, man. I feel very fortunate to do what we get to do. So that's right. You know, and I feel fortunate just to be able to come over here and go hunting, you know, in, in this time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. Perk went beast mode yesterday on that pack out. We got that done quick. Yeah, and, uh, hey, I, was pretty, a, I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah. I only had to stop a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, we took a few breaks here and there, and it was good, man. I, where, where were we at? What was that? What we say? Eight, eighty-five, nine thousand feet, something, something like something. that. Yeah, yeah. Right in that range. Yeah. Yeah. We're out in there like that. So yeah, I'm coming from about around a thousand where I live, and we don't hunt hardly over. We hunt a lot around two thousand to three, but sometimes we get up to about four to five. That's not that much, so it's a little different. I tell you, like in Alberta, I just don't get winded. You know, in, in other areas, low walk all day long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lower altitude. I just don't like. We had to go up the steepest hill, probably where we were at when we got mine, and uh, you know, Harder was like, "You want me to bring anything?" And I'm like, thinking I'm getting fat already from eating raisin bran. I'm like, I'll come down and get you, and I'll come back <laughs> and load it up my pack. And we went up that hill, and I thought, man, I need to run up this fucker four or five more times. Like I've been eating horrible, and through the, you know deer in and got out of there but you know you compare that to like yours and mine i mean it's six seven eight nine ten miles coming out with a hundred plus pounds big difference and uh i do it while i can because when i get older i ain't gonna be able to do it so yeah. hey luckily we were we were probably a mile or mile and a half at the most so we've only you know so that was pretty cool so 
Well, and the altitude is really what, I don't think distance-wise, you seem to do fine with distance. It's the altitude you're not used to is the big thing. Yeah, yeah. I had to suck a little wind there for a little bit, but, hey, I, I felt pretty good. We we even went straight back to the vehicle without a GPS. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you go right back to it? Yeah. I'm, when we when we came back, um, I think I was probably 400 yards to the, well, when we got up to that fence, I knew we were way off, and I thought, well, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier walking down the road than <laughs> to go to the right. Yeah. But No, man, we did. We went straight to where we needed to be, and piece of cake coming back out, we went straight to our vehicle. Yeah, we had a bunch of landmarks out there. I got to say, when we were in Alberta, though, we, uh, see, the last day, it was foggy in the morning, like I texted you, and... Uh, we ended up hunting where you and I and Ryan hunted the first day next to that tank. I didn't know. I didn't even know we were there oh, until yeah. we got back to the truck. Lander took us back because he picked us up and he took us back. And I'm like, "Is this this is where we were hunting the first, the whole time?" <laughs> I didn't know no clue because there's no there's no um, geographical Ooh. markers there. It's just rolling hills and prairie. And we're like, well, I was like, what I'm just that? now starting to understand part of the other unit that I've hunted three times for a total of three or four weeks. You know, helping guys out with Lander. I'm starting to kind of understand part of it because just like east with Alex, you, down a dirt road, left at the black pig, you know, take a right at the cow. Oh, here's a water hole, turn left, and then there's a two track. And it's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to make it back here where saw, we went, you know? I saw Bam had a story on his Instagram of that same thing. He's like hunting with Alex and he's like, go east at the windmill. And when we were out there hunting antelope, we even had Onyx Max, maps up and we're like, so we're across from this guy. We're good to hunt across from this guy's land. Yeah. And he's like, who? Yeah. Like what? I don't yeah. know. It's just funny. And that's I mean, when we're hunting sometimes, you know, over there, Aaron, Aaron knows, and we talked to Frank, you know, too, about this, because Frank's there. I don't think Frank ever been to Oregon. I have not been to Oregon, no. Well, it, hey, it's, hey, there's some beautiful country over there, and it's the land of the big trees. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we're on the radio talking with my son, and we'll have a, we'll have a co-pilot, a guest, I guess, and uh, we'll say we got our own roads. You know, we got one we call a turkey road, or we say, oh, by the big tree, and the guy looks at my son's like, well, all these damn trees are big. So which tr- big trees he talking about? Oh, I know where he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, and I it's it's definitely I'm getting where Lander can, you know, trust me to know where I'm at or whatever. And but the one time I took a poo by a gate, and I thought certainly we were in the middle of nowhere, and I didn't think about somebody going on lock the date. I was one fence post down from the gate. <laughs> he's like. You know, the red gate with the latch? Because we had this argument of what gate was what and where. And I said, yeah. And he goes, did you shit there? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, one, how did you not get barbed wire in your back? I said, well, the barbed wire was on the one side. That's why I pooped when we got on the other side so I could lean against the post. He's like, good Lord, you need to cover that up. I'm like, with what? And he's like, you know, because if the, the, the guy that gives you permission to hunt the land comes over and steps in your poo. And I'm like, well, I went over one post. He's like, you got to grab cow patties. And so I had to make, pay close attention, find a big dried cow patty to cover my cow patty up. And, uh, but, you know, going off of that, like even guiding guys in for flagging them in for stocks, I'm like, you're 23 fence posts down. He's like, what? And I'm like, there's nothing else to mark, man. I I was like, I count 23 down. They're 23 down from where you're at right now. And, you know, you can see him kind of look over. I can't see them all. I'm like, well, when you're low crawling, you better fucking not lose count because they're 23 down, but there's nothing out there. It's it's really and sometimes cool. just like yesterday, I could I could show Frank where we were at, even though it was probably a mile or two away. I could show Frank where I was and saw those bucks by a marker, and 
this rock I'd picked out right where they were at, and I'd say, well, that's where I was at yesterday. Flat country, I think, is a lot. It's a lot harder because there are no geographical. Yeah. You guys had the dick rock. We did have the yeah. dick rock. <laughs> well, I we, didn't, we didn't see anything by I that. Thought, <laughs> I, I thought the uh, it's too big. The glassing point <laughs> scared, <laughs> scares all the does away. I thought the glassing point was the dick rock because it's got a big rock. And then we got up there and then we looked down. And he was like, "That's the dick rock." And I'm like, "Oh shit, that does look like a dick, <laughs> oh, exactly like one." It, it does. It's crazy, but that, that uh, you know that area, that stretch, which is why Peckerneck is in there poaching it from us. You know, people. I don't understand. We had a, I, I helped a guy out that drew the tag and was coming anyway. And, uh, he brought buddies and the deal was, is they would not ever come back in there without him. So yesterday we see sure shit. That guy was two other buddies, same area. Didn't ask, Hey, you mind whatever. Now, you know, there's a, there's an ethical to me kind of rule of the road where he should have at least called us and let us know and it's like, dude, now you're bringing two other guys. It'll probably bring two other guys. It'll bring two other guys. And they'll all say, I'll never come back. And you're fucking full of shit just like you, you skinny little bastard. You're in there and you didn't ask anybody. Speaking of which, yeah, now that you're riled up here. Yeah. <laughs> you talked to Joe Rogan about uh, what he said about the whole that this this exact subject. No, I haven't. Did you listen to it? You told me about it. Yeah. So basically what he said was he didn't understand why everyone was so pro-public lands if – People get mad when this situation happens, when you bring somebody into a spot and then they go back in without you and they bring a friend. Yeah. Well, and here, here, here's a, a good example. If you were a miner and it's back in the mining days and you find a, I don't know shit about mining, but you find a creek or a whatever that is producing a lot of gold that is your your livelihood or that's your you know but let's say back then you've got a buddy and that buddy's got some tools and work ethic and he's gonna be able to help you out and you're like hey i'm gonna bring in here we're gonna split this we're gonna partner up on it but don't bring anyone else in and then they bring someone else in and pretty soon all your hard work of finding that specific claim or whatever is shit it's no different than animals if you're the one that did the work to find the animals and 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 do all the the footwork and you bring someone in there as a favor to them to help them get an animal. They skipped all the footwork in the case of that guy. They killed that right where I took them. Um, they skipped the footwork and then they're bringing people I don't know and I don't trust and they'll do the same. So I'll have to explain to Rogan the mining thing was explained to me that way. It makes a lot of sense. Like I did all the work. Uh, why the hell are you get to, you know, now you get all the benefit of it without doing anything. And what did I get out of it? Did you show me a spot? Like, did we do a spot swap thing where I'm hunting your area now? No. That's not going to happen, Aaron. We talked yeah. about this. <laughs> and you, and I, Frank and I talked about it a little bit, and you and I talked about this. Uh, when we when I came in, we picked up, and we were, you know, BSing on our way home and all this stuff. And the Rogan thing and this, it's what happens a lot of times. It's guys that have hunted or whatever you're doing, just like, like you, Aaron. Okay, you Frank, you're out in the field. This is what you do. You know where the game's at. These guys don't. They don't put in like you said. They don't put in the time. So when you take them someplace, even if it wasn't some of these guys here that proclaim to be a pretty good hunter or a big time hunter, whatever they call themselves, let's just say it's someone, which we talked about this, that hasn't been having any luck hunting. And you 
as myself, I care about people. So you, as something you're thinking, okay, I'm going to help them get an animal or I'm going to put them into an area that I've hunted for years or through all my time, I found these pockets where there's a lot of game. I take them in there. They, they don't know how to really hunt. You take them in there and bam, they're off bragging, whatever. And to a friend say, Hey, I know a great spot. And so lo and behold, you go in there and there they are just like yesterday, which I don't know the guy, they've got somebody else. And then they'll have somebody else. And it's not like it's our, if it's public land, it's not like it's our land, but we've put a lot of effort in, which I have done the same thing. And you get to me, if you feel like you're getting burned. Well, and on this specific, I didn't invite the guy that was in there before, um, or I'll just the Dale Pearson, super good friend. They just happened to draw it. I was with another super close friend of mine. We just ran into him back there. My buddy tagged out. He left, and I told Dale, I said, man, if you need a hand, I'll, I'll help you out, but I need you to be pretty secretive about these areas. And and they were. Dale was a man of his word, but he drew it with another guy, and he told that guy, if I come in here, if, if I bring you in here, I don't ever want you to come back without me. And that was the agreement they had. So when Dale came back out, I, I helped him, and uh, that guy was along. And is it that big of a deal? No, it's not the end of the world. But that guy came back in there without Dale bringing two buddies. And I can see the argument on both sides as public land or whatever. But I'm looking at it like, well, I I didn't want to take guys that I have no idea who. they. Now you're taking those guys and pretty soon. And it's my fault. You just shouldn't. I mean, you said it. My circle of friends for hunting is across the, the table from me. You know, Frank, as far as um, obviously you're included, but I mean, lives here. I don't get to hunt with you that much. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm happy. I'm just here, you know, and, and able to get there. But, I, you know, I understand that, Aaron. And it is. And you, you try to help people to a fault sometimes. You get burned. And then sooner or later, it's just like, and I know you guys are in the industry. This is what you do for a living. You yeah. Know? And so it's like people like that. And it's just like a. I told Frank and I told you, and uh, people ask me, well, where are you going? Well, I'm going hunting. Well, we're at Colorado. Uh, we're at in Colorado. I'm going in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's yeah. that? Yeah, no, you about have to be that way. And, you know, I've had people say, you know, oh, you know, whatever, you're not going to, you, you, would you take me in there? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. Why would I take you in there? That's, I mean, it's like, hey, you, you going to let me sleep with your wife? Whoa. No. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah. a great, that's a perfect analogy. Well, and that's the thing. I want you to get laid, man, but you're not going to yeah. sleep with my <laughs> <Yeah>. wife. <laughs> I'll take you to the bar and show you some skills, but damn, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, maybe Joe, I'll tell Joe Rogan that or something, you know, said, well, you know, hey, well, since you let me do that, can I bring a buddy yeah, next no, time? <laughs> yeah, no, pretty soon. <laughs> it's a big party. <laughs> well, and that, uh, again, like, um, uh, when you, when you for hunting spots there's certain that spots that that don't matter high draw areas i say help out as many as you can because takes that many points it's not like you can't overcrowd it right correct yeah like correct. sheep hunting or something yeah sheep, well, and goat. sheep hunting in colorado at least i don't know about goat but you have to report exactly where well people lie because we do every time we oh. don't say exactly where it was at because oh, it blows well, the spot that, out yeah i figured <laughs> i just figured it's public they that's public publicly available so that for future hunters they can look at that as a reference yeah and we're close we're not that far off but um i uh oh good lord i'm getting blown up about that 
spotter. Um, you know, when you have an area for uh, for goat or sheep or, a, a you know, super high 12-point mule deer and you got some info, I don't really mind sharing that because you're only going to draw it once every 12 years. Not that big of a deal. But when you're talking about over-the-counter or one-point units or whatever, that's when it gets a little bit more, a little bit stickier. But I don't... Um, yeah, I, I mean, Dale or whatever, I don't, Dale, and I'm super tight with Dale. I don't have any animosity towards him or whatever. I just wish like, hey, a phone call would have been nice or something. But in that guy's mind, depending upon how your DNA works or your moral compass, he's like, oh, it's probably public land. I'm not friends with those guys anymore. I'm going to bring out whoever. But I guess it doesn't work that way with me, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you got is. a deer. That's all that matters. Yeah. I got a nice deer. Proud of that deer. It is really nice. And we... He got bigger as we got to him, so that's a really nice. He didn't ground shrink, as Frank said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last night, I was like, dude, I've heard a ground shrink. Is I haven't heard a ground growage. Because it was so quick that the deer ran out of the out of the timber, and it got in with those does. And I saw the three, the three, the big three on one side. I said, holy shit, it's a, a shooter. I didn't know it was a good four on the other side. And we got up to him. I'm like, Jesus, Perk, you fucking dropped a monster. Yeah, it wasn't a monster, but he's a nice deer. Yeah, he was a really good deer. I, I'm pretty sure we saw that one the day before. And do you remember me saying there's a three down there, but he's not a shooter? Right. In the first two we saw, in the four was. Yeah, but then after they'd got away from us there a little bit, we got stalked way down there. And then when we saw him the second time. That's when I was like, whoa. He's bigger. You said he's bigger than you thought. And if that's him, I don't know because I didn't get a good look at him. The only reason why I think it was him was that beam um, that that on that three side. Yeah. When he it was silhouetted in the sun when he was going up over the hill, and I was like, because I remember I looked at you, I raised my eyes, I was like, he's a bit bigger than I thought he was. Holy shit! And I just thought he was a three. Yeah. But if you take away that one big beam, he is just a three. But that one big beam is big. I mean, that thing must be fifteen inches long or yeah. something. Yeah, he's a nice buck, and like I said, you know, things happen for a reason. Uh, we maybe would have got him, but we was going to try to probably shoot the other buck that was with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was probably the one we was going to try to shoot that day. Didn't get him. That evening we see, again, uh, I wish we could have videoed or had that deer's body because he was a, a big, gray, perfect. He was a whopper. It was exactly what you see in the rut. We're waiting. Dozer in the bottom, and there was a forky in there. They were in a creek bottom. And we're waiting, and, and we were both talking, there has got to be a buck with all those does, and boom. I remember I said, look, look, there's one running, there's one running. And then there was a big deer. He, that buck came down, and he was lip lip curling like or lip balling or whatever they call it, like crazy, neck back, head up, he chasing was, that doe. He was way bigger. You could see as soon as he came in, he was, yeah. It was, when he, I had to got the spotter on when he turned his head. I was like, "Oh fuck, a wild horse! That is a wide, wide deer." I mean, he was thirty, thirty-two wide. He was wide. He's wide. He wasn't as tall as this buck we got here and that, but yeah, he was wide. We'd have definitely shot him if we could have. <laughs> if, if Aaron knew his op, yeah, I'll just dial that scope. Yeah, I'm bad because I. Just, it's, oh, let's get to two hundred. When we circled around, the does were still there. And I'm sh I'm sure he tucked in one of those holes. Those deer get smart from getting hunted. I'm sure he tucked in one of them drainages, waited, and then got out of there at dark. But. Yeah. Well, I looked at that. You know, the day next day, I looked at that <clears throat> that brush pocket, and it was really thick. And I I I still believe he's probably was in there. Yeah, it was really thick right there. I know they can hide in that stuff. Like you walk by them, and then they'll blow out the other day. Why? You know, and and you're looking in it, and you still don't see them. That's that red brush. So that one Frank and Brian, it was it was funny. That buck was so buried in that red brush, you guys circled around, you probably, what, 120 yards from me, maybe? 
the one that was you got 20-some yards from. Oh, yeah. And they came in behind it with the wind blowing at the deer, and he would not leave that red brush. He was that safe. And you could just see, what could you guys see? Just his antler tips. And I could see his face, and I thought, man, should I stand and get him to stand? And I kept popping my head up. We did all kinds of stuff. We Paw on the ground. Yeah, pawed at the ground, grunted at him, freaking harder was doing some sort of snorting thing. Uh, and finally, the wind got so bad straight to him that he just blew out of there like a rocket. Yeah, and but he was safe in there. And if if we didn't know, or if you don't hunt up there a lot and know what to look for, um, I picked him out quick because I when we came up over that hill, I think I just happened to be ahead of you guys, didn't I? Or no, he was looking left and I looked right, and you could see four inches of tip sticking out from 300 yards away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's in that stuff. Thick and I was facing him and still could barely see his eyes. I mean, they duck in that red brush and it, you ain't getting them out of there with a come along. It's bad. And we weren't perfect yesterday on that wind. We knew that the wind kind of changed on us. We were pretty good up high, but once we got down there <clears throat> closer to, to where we were trying to go, the wind wasn't perfect for us. And that's kind of what blew him out. But we weren't, we were still hunting. We weren't making a bunch of noise. We didn't get overly excited. I'm guess, well, maybe a little bit, but. Uh, not that bad. One, one thing I learned in Idaho with this longer shooting thing is wind isn't as important yeah. as, it, <laughs> as you think it is. Yeah. Because I knew the wind was shitty. I'm like, yeah, well, we'll just shoot further. Yeah. Because they'll, well, they'll run out to 400 and stop when you <laughs> yeah. bank flop them from yeah. four. Yeah. Well, that's what I learned from Jordan. I'm like, dude, this wind sucks for which way we're walking. But then those guys can shoot super far. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I guess th- this one, I, 250 is not. Real far, is it? No, but if they wind you bad, and they'll usually run out to four or five. I mean, I haven't hunted in Idaho, and they'll stick around for 15, (laughs) 20, 30 seconds, and you can shoot them because, you know, so that's like when we were um, on those first two, where I I figured they'd follow those does up or whatever. That was a little, that was 3.30, and that, but that was just aiming just over the back. That wasn't nearly as bad, but we probably should have shot at that one down in the canyon. Believe me, I kept going back and forth if we should layer a couple rounds down range but i thought we might be able to get closer i thought worst case scenario he'd run up on the bank and we'd shoot him across but it disappeared on us there but like i said hey it all worked out in the end and we're pretty happy i'm happy frank's happy we yeah had, we had, had a, a good time great hunt yesterday far. and man great hunt and like i said hey i know two 260 something not a great far shot but far enough yeah so you dial out. anything or just name right at it. we dialed it yeah it was like two yeah. and a half moa something yeah. like that so yeah, he dialed it and told me to shoot dead on. So that's what I did and got lucky, I guess. Dropped him, yeah. Yeah, that's so, cool. Well, cool. Like, well, man, we're working on an hour and a half yeah, here. Yeah, I know it's a long, long one probably. People yeah. get bored at us. Maybe not, hopefully. No, hopefully, <laughs> probably not. Hopefully it'll be interesting enough for him. We had enough little stuff in there. I, you know, again, I thank Aaron and Frank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no problem. No problem, man. And I thank you for, for everything you've done back in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> mid 90s mid 90s yeah well 92 90, three and four, four or something five, like that five yeah, yeah. Back in there, yeah yeah i know i appreciate it man so and thank yeah thanks for coming out and uh hunting it's been great and uh frank thank you for taking him yesterday that worked out good i didn't i was gonna feel guilty leaving your ass sitting at home or wandering around the office all day so that worked out good yeah. <laughs> we didn't want you to get in trouble so we i understood you know heck i I'd have to go get my wife, too, after she's been gone. I've been gone. so Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> shit. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in, everyone, and thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, man.